Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. Hello! I am so excited to be here with one of my heroes, an amazingly talented and prolific actress, filmmaker, author, Honestly, it's impossible to keep up with everything that Jasmine Leva is doing. And she's also a producer on America's Got Talent. Oh, my gosh. Jasmine, you've just written two incredible children's books that are available for purchase on Amazon that have a theme of get healthy kids and try plant based. Tell us all about it. Okay, so in my former film, The Invisible Vegan, it was geared towards adults. And the thing about adults, like adults can be receptive, but a lot of times, you know, adults are all like set in their ways. So I was like, okay, I also want to do something where I'm just planting seeds with the kids and it's not forcing anything on them. It's just like letting them know like, hey, you know, vegetables are good for you. And then presenting the information to them, like telling them why. Like we tell kids to eat vegetables, but we don't think that they are, I don't know, competent or mature enough to be able to digest why they should be doing this. So this book kind of goes against that. I was like, no, eat carrots because it's great for your eyes. Eat broccoli because it'll help you get nice and strong. Eat celery because it can help settle your stomach. So really planting those seeds in kids and my friend, especially my friends who have bought the kids for their children, they say that their kids are now asking for vegetables after reading the book. Like, oh, mommy, I want to have great eyes. Can you get me some carrots? So that was a new, I guess, niche. Wow. Well, how exciting, because obviously we have a health crisis in this country. Uh, children are suffering from uh, type 2 diabetes, uh, diseases that should only really pop up in adults and they're getting them. We have a crisis of kids eating fast food, overweight. Um, I feel sorry for these kids. Now we know that there are some leaders in this movement. Uh, we just on Unchained TV interviewed uh, Eric Adams, the New York City mayor who was introduced vegan uh, Fridays in New York City public schools, got a lot of pushback, especially from media is what he was saying. It was interesting. But um, he has powered forth and uh, it was based on his own personal journey of having become very ill and in desperation, switching to a plant based diet and reversing a lot of these diseases that doctors said could only be medicated. So um, why you? What was it in your life that made you decide to become a leader in this movement to get kids and adults to switch to plant based? Honestly, I think my journey was somewhat similar to um, Mayor Adams. It was a thing where I tried veganism. I actually tried it for cosmetic reasons. I was like, oh, look at this chick. She looks great vegan. Let me try. But when I did it, a lot of the health ailments I was suffering from ended up naturally going away. So it's just like, wait, wait, wait. This is what's on my plate. It's not oh, this tastes good or that tastes good. This is a like seriously a matter of life or death. Like seriously, like even at one point, I remember I had like cancerous cells growing on my cervix 
And the doctors were like, oh, well, we're going to burn off a piece of your cervix. And I'm just like, mm, no. And then I went on a fast. I started, I only put like fruits, vegetables, even no lotions with chemicals. And a few months went back, all the cells were gone. So when you see stuff like that, you feel like it's, it's my duty to let as many people know this is possible because a lot of people don't know and they're dropping dead left and right from heart disease, from cancer. And a lot of the things they're suffering from is prevent, pre preventable and we're not told that. So once you know, it's almost like, I gotta tell everybody this information. And like you said, kids are like, we're setting kids up to die at probably 35 because even the food that like say I ate as a child it's not the 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 food that the kids are eating now it's way worse than the foods we were eating 20 years ago 30 40 years ago so you're starting to see all of these degenerative diseases come in sooner so you're going to start seeing lives in sooner so that's why I just I mean it's life or death like uh I am so happy that you are doing this. And you're also in your books, which are available on Amazon. I urge everybody, check them out because they're gorgeous and they have a beautiful cartoon cover, one sort of aimed at boys, one sort of aimed at girls. Correct me if I'm wrong. Obviously, uh, they're both uh, available for either gender and for adults. But... Um, in terms of where veganism is heading, uh, I've spoken to a lot of leaders who say African-Americans in general are going vegan at a faster rate. And in that group, African-American women are going vegan at the highest rate of any demographic in the United States of America. What has your experience been and how does that um what what does that say about how quickly we are going to reach the tipping point? Oh, I think a lot of people, you know, we we've been kept in the dark. Like take my aunt, for example, she went to the doctor. She's approaching 70. They wanted to put I'm sorry, she's approaching 80. They wanted to put her on pills for for pre for di diabetes and she's like no let me try what my niece is doing and she tried it and then she went back and her blood work was clean she lost a few pounds so it's like now you have more access to information with social media and people are seeing that these diets and these lifestyle changes are saving lives so it's like why wouldn't you want to save your own life well but it's also a food justice issue is it not um there's incredible films like The Invisible Vegan, as well as They're Trying to Kill Us, which focuses uh, attention on how this is an issue of food justice and that um, fast food restaurants, which is pretty much the primary carrier of meat and dairy into a particular neighborhood, are targeted in communities of color. They're targeted to exist there. And things like farmers markets and an abundance of fruits, vegetables, nuts, grains, and legumes are kept out, essentially funneling communities of color to eat fast food, which then creates the illnesses. Yeah, and when you go in, it, it's funny because there are visual markers. Like when you go into communities of color, you'll see dialysis centers everywhere, but then you'll see the highest concentration of fast food. So it's just like, wait, 
how is it even even the high concentration of like billboards for fast food and it's like okay someone like eric adams who goes into the schools and says let's do a healthy friday he doesn't get pushback but i know when i was in school there was domino's wednesday and it's like you're feeding a bunch of kids most of who are who are lactose intolerant like their system is not meant for dairy you're giving them like the worst kind of pizza and no one says a thing nobody says anything about taking kids and driving them into uh, a lifestyle of disease but when you try to do something healthy it gets criticized but i definitely think more i guess me being a woman of color when we're going through all of these other you know uh, battles with racism the most important tool you need in order to battle racism is you need energy you need life you need your brain to work you need to be able to think so for me food is almost activism because it's almost like it's it's fueling um what i want to say it's fueling the drive that i need to even be able to exist in a country with so much racism going on well uh Eric Adams made the point that a lot of people were embracing uh, the meatless Fridays in schools, but the media was critiquing it and kind of it seemed like and that was just my personal observation, reading some of the articles that they went out of their way to talk to parents who were upset with the initial offerings. And it was almost like uh, to me, the media was trying to sabotage it. It makes perfect sense because who pays for the media? advertisers and who are the advertisers meat dairy and pharmaceuticals so you see that um as a theme and that's why you're absolutely right jasmine uh it's important to go to social media which is not quite as advertiser based and i want to give a plug to watching jasmine's documentary the invisible vegan on unchained tv unchained tv is our 100 free nonprofit streaming network where um, essentially you can get hundreds of documentaries, cooking shows, travelogues, all sorts of fun. We're about to uh, launch a, a reality series involving a family of pigs rescued from a kill shelter, all of it on Unchained TV. So you can check it out or go to unchainedtv.com. But you really should see uh, Jasmine's documentary, The Invisible Vegan. Um, Tracy McWhirter is somebody who has also been on the forefront of change, and she has sent a similar message to you that essentially um, we shouldn't identify with fast food as tradition, that we should go back a generation or however many years to find out what our actual uh, heritage is in terms of food. And that applies to everybody. I mean, if it, people are always using their heritage to say, well, I could never be vegan. I'm whatever. I'm Irish. I'm Italian. I'm Polish. I'm Mexican. I'm this or that. And yet, if you go back into the actual food that people consumed in those countries, it was largely plant-based. Um, can you address that a little bit in terms of the African-American community and uh, dietary choices? So one of the biggest problems with our current system is I think a lot of the indigenous practices have been left out. 
I, I think all around the world, there's been so many good ideas, like people who, you know, even people who come from Europe is great because they were in a place where they would get really cold winters. So they had very good ideas for how to preserve food during when you had like a, a cold season and still have enough for the rest of the year. And then you had indigenous people, a lot of their food came from the land. So when people say, you know, oh, I'm honoring my culture by eating, especially black people by eating macaroni and cheese out of a box, it's like, no, your ancestors were not eating macaroni and cheese out of a box. They were eating food that was grown in the dirt without any kind of chemicals injected into it. And, and there was meat in different places, whether we're talking about Africa, Asia, wherever. But there was also a respect for life. Like, I'm not condoning, you know, the killing of any animal, but I will say this, like, it has reached a point where the way the meat is procured, the way animals are treated now, it's, just, it's ungodly. Like, you can't say this is a Christian country and then treat billions of sentient beings that way. It's just not possible. And even when other cultures did it historically, it was more out of what they considered necessity. And, and they used every part of the animal. They prayed over the animal. There was still like a respect for life that is just completely missing from our current food system. Well, now we're in a place where it's like, you can't say I need to eat meat in order to survive. Like you don't, like we have so many options now, like you don't. Like we, we just need to go back and start incorporating a lot of those indigenous practices with a lot of the European practices. And I think that's when you get that the idea of America is supposed to be a melting pot, but you know, they want to take out certain great ideas and disenfranchise certain groups. And it's like, you're never going to be the best like that. We all have to, we can all create a beautiful food system. So that's kind of what I'm advocating for. Jasmine, we've got some callers lined up here. We're going to start with Donnie from New York City. Your question or thought, Donnie. Yeah, Jasmine, do you have a sense of why African-American women are making the switch to plant-based foods more quickly than other demographic groups? And for those of us who do vegan outreach, is there something we can learn about that? Oh, okay. So, you know what? I, I can't honestly, like, I don't, I can't say why I know, but I will say this in a lot of communities of color, like degenerative diseases are more widespread. They're at a higher rate. So for me, someone, I thought that, you know, diabetes, high cholesterol, um, high sugar, like I thought that was my destiny. Like, I thought that's just what's going to happen to me. So when I was shown another way and I was eating a food that actually healed me and, and saved me from what I was seeing in my family, there was like, oh, no, I, I got to I got to move towards this way. So I think a lot of especially black women um, kind of resonate with that, where they're seeing a lot of people in their family just die of every disease and nobody's dying of old age. So when you see another way, you're like, let me try that other way. And then we also, um, now I think you have more um, people of color who actually have access to healthier food options. Because again, when you look back, you know, I take my grandmother, she was in North Carolina. You know, she had to, I think um, she had maybe like a third, I forgot what elementary, third or sixth grade um, education. And then she had to leave and start working to help her family. Like, of course, if you're working as a maid in the South, you're not making enough money to buy like a whole bunch of uh, fresh food from Whole Foods. But luckily now you have more people who 
we have the economic power to make the change. Very well said. We've got another caller, Naja from Maryland. Your question or thought for Jasmine Leva, the invisible vegan, and we see her today. Hi, Jasmine. It's great seeing you again. Keep up the amazing work. Um, and I got to I gotta hit you up about some of those children's books for some of these events that we're having out here in um, Baltimore. Uh, okay. This this issue of, you know, I call it the institutional racism or just planned racism, environmental racism in, in our communities and just the, the, the attitude that people have. Well, I'm going to die anyway. So, you know, they're killing us anyway. How do we... How do we effectively go into communities and really teach? My daughter is 100% vegan, which is a blessing. So I'm blessed that she came out the womb 100% vegan. But everyone doesn't have that opportunity. So how do we do this? Is it just give them the books or like what, what, what would be the optimal strategy to go into the communities and really try to I don't want to use convert, but teach them that this is the way we have to do this because it is killing us. You know, what? I almost think, you know, in marketing, they have the thing, the marketing rule of seven, where it's like someone in order for them to actually buy something, they have to see it seven times. So I think a lot of uh, an approach that's not always the most helpful is someone thinks, Y'all, I'm going to have some great debate with someone and I'm going to yell at them. And then that one conversation is going to change them into something else. So I think for us, just realizing that, you know, Rome was not built in a day. And if we want to really, you know, impact people, it can't be a one hitter quitter. It can't be, oh, let me throw this one event. It has to be, let me go in this community and throw an event every month. You know, and even the kind of books, it, it shouldn't be just one health book. Kids should have a lot of health books to choose from. So it just has to be, I think, more um, sustained and intentional activism. And we just have to have, you know, just more, more content when people come over, like instead of, you know, I mean, you, you definitely want to preach the vegan word if somebody's open to it, if they ask the question, but sometimes giving somebody some delicious vegan macaroni and cheese, like that'll be the selling point or just being like, Oh, you know, Beyonce followed this vegan diet. And then that'll be the selling point. And it might not, be the reason why they decide to, you know, go vegan wholeheartedly, but it'll open the door for them to try it. And then once they try it, they see the benefits for themselves. And then it's just like, oh, wow, this is actually healing me. Let me share this information. So I just think, yeah, rule of rule of seven, we got to just keep coming out with stuff. Jane has to keep putting stuff on her, her network. You got to keep throwing events. Absolutely. And what, uh, Mayor Adams said is, you know, New York City, the most important city in arguably the most powerful country in the world. What happens? They say what happens in L.A. spreads, but also what happens in New York spreads. So he said, you know, really, they're having an international conversation about this issue by putting vegan Fridays in the New York City public schools. You mentioned celebrities. We live in a celebrity culture. um, And you're in television. You're doing you're a producer for America's Got Talent. Uh, Tabitha Brown comes to mind as somebody who has taken this to another level. Uh, She's opened uh, Kale My Name here in Los Angeles, and also she has a hit book. She is a star. Every time I turn on the TV, I see Tabitha. Um, How is she and others like her changing the equation? 
You know, Tabitha, one thing that I love about the way that she advocates for veganism is it really comes out as it comes from a place of love. Like, you know, when I think of just veganism in general, I think I do. I think of compassion. I think of um, really just kind people. And I think Tabitha, she really embodies that. And she, you know, she makes sure that everyone has, she wants people to have good food. Like she wants veganism to be fun. She wants it to be funny. She wants it to be pleasant. So I, that's why her message resonates with me. And even the stuff that she says, like she's a very spiritually grounded individual and she brings, you know, she brings her God into what she's saying. So I have the utmost respect for her and how she advocates. Yes, and we are speaking with the one and only Jasmine Leva, who is, can I call you the ultimate slash actress, producer, director, author. She has two new incredible children's books. Now tell us the titles of the children's books and how people can get them. I know I saw them on Amazon, very easy to grab. Uh, but this is a great way to introduce kids to eating healthy. I just have to tell you one little anecdote. I uh, was having dinner with a friend who has a son and the son is very healthy and actually vegan and um, on the football team, quarterback and all of this. And he had a friend who was uh, quite overweight, young kid, maybe 11, 12 years old. And we served him some vegetables and he began to cry. He did not want to eat them. And I felt so sorry for him because he, at a young age, has been so brainwashed to want either you know, chicken wings or a burger or, or um, a pizza that the idea of just sitting down and eating a beautiful plate of vegetables felt like torture for him. He, he was completely opposed to touching it and began to cry. And I said, we're doomed. You know, we've got a big problem because brainwashing is a real thing. And if you if you watch television, you just see it all over and over and over. You'll just it's it's chicken wings and meat and it's completely uh, manipulated to equate it with family values and uh, men, masculinity and upward mobility, and keeping up with the Joneses and being popular and patriotism and all these other things that it has nothing to do with. But they're very good at. You know, propaganda works, and that's essentially a form of propaganda. So um, how do we break through that? Your book is a great first step. Oh, my, it's so funny because you know what? So this book. Yeah, there it is. Queen Vegana and Princess Apple, The Magical Worlds of veg Vegetables, and then kind of exactly what you said. So the little Princess Apple, she gets her vegetables. She doesn't like them that much, so she always, like, throws them out of the castle. She's like, Mommy, I feel bad, but I just don't like vegetables. I don't like the way they taste. And then her mom just starts going through all the vegetables, telling her, like, they're so magical. Look, broccoli are, is good for your bones. Like carrots give you better eyes. And by the end of the story, Princess Apple, she's just like, I want to be strong just like you, mommy. So she starts eating her vegetables. And then the second one is, let's see, this is King Vegas and Prince Parsley. And this is kind of similar concept. King Vegas, his, everyone in his kingdom, they live to be a hundred years old. So the prince, he's scared that he's not going to be able to help people live that long. And his dad is like, no, I'm going to give you 10 secrets to help people live forever. And he tells them, you know, make sure, 
Make sure you drink your water. Make sure you eat all your vegetables. Make sure you keep your temple clean. So it's just really implanting those paramount ideas into kids when they're young, young enough to receive them and really have it stick. Wow. I think these books should be in every school in America. Let's get them out there. Is there a plan to get them? Um, I mean, can we do some kind of campaign to get these these books distributed to kids, um, particularly in communities of color, where they can read this and identify with the kids, uh, the cartoons, and it's fun. How do we do this? Let's do it. And then, oh yeah, so I don't, I don't have a campaign for it yet. This is something, it's so crazy. Like I'm one of those people, I don't believe in ideas just being ideas. So if I have an idea, it's like, I gotta knock it out. So I like just knock this out. I'm not, I haven't put together the campaign yet, but I do know one thing that I wanna do is turn it into a cartoon as well, so. I love it. That's a great idea. But uh, the books are are they're fun. They're, they're books that you want to pick up. I mean, unfortunately, we're not in a reading culture in terms of I myself <laughs> have been listening to a lot of books. I get them on Audible and I walk and I listen. But those books are really fun to leaf through. Yep. And uh, they're very, uh, the illustrations and the cartoons are adorable. So I think that I, I mean, I'm just throwing this out there. I never thought of it before, but there should be some kind of campaign to get thousands of these books distributed. Cool. Uh, it would be a great idea. So uh, Naja kind of uh, touched on that. Um, that would be tremendous. So we'll, we'll think about that. Um, so uh, what's next? Because you have this documentary, which we're again, thrilled to have on uh, our TV streaming network, Unchained TV. You can download it on your phone or on a Samsung or LG smart TV or on your, via your Roku device, Amazon Fire Stick, or Apple TV device, Unchained TV, it's totally free, it's a nonprofit. Uh, the Invisible Vegan is one of the documentaries on there, and that's Jasmine Leva's uh, documentary. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. We're, we got about a minute to break. Let's, let's talk a little bit about the documentary. So The Invisible Vegan, I made it years ago. It was based on my own journey where I flirted with veganism, saw I started healing my body, and then I started educating myself on it. And I, I ran into all of these people of color, you know, like the Rosa Parks, the Coretta Scott Kings, Angela Davis, people that I looked up to. And I started seeing how they were following this, you know, this way of eating. And I became really inspired. I'm like, how come we don't know how our heroes are eating? Like, this is this is kind of how you get people inspired. Because for so long, veganism was promoted as a white thing. So I just wanted to do something where I'm showing like, no, this is for everyone. And it has roots in different cultures, especially mine. Wow. It's it's a much must watch film. And that's one of the misconceptions we have to shatter is that somehow veganism is this elitist thing that people in uh, hip parts of Brooklyn and Venice, California follow. No, it is global. OK, there are firefighters, there are doctors, lawyers, dentists, construction workers. It's people are waking up across the board. We're going to take a very short break here on Voice America Radio, but we're going to stay live on Facebook with Jasmine Leva. Be 
Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Get Unchained. Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Connect with us and we'll connect with you. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on LinkedIn. Get the first word about happenings with the network, where our next live event will be, and what's up with our hosts. Look up Voice America on LinkedIn. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email in to janeunchainednews at gmail.com. Now back to the show. We are with the one and only Jasmine Leva, actress, producer, director, author, all around hero for the animals, people and the planet. Jasmine has two new children books that are out. Uh, Show us the children's books, if you would. Thank you, Jasmine. And they are available on, well, you can go right to Amazon uh, or any place that sells books and order them. Queen Vigana and Princess Apple is the one that's sort of geared for girls, and there's another geared for boys. The idea is to encourage children to eat healthy and not be afraid of eating fruits, vegetables, nuts, and grains. And we know, Jasmine, that what you eat when you're a child influences your entire lifestyle because people are always kind of recreating their childhood experience, for better or for worse, with food. Yeah. And if you also and you tell kids why they're eating what they eat, because a lot of children, they just eat blindly because adults, we don't maybe we don't feel the need to explain to a five year old what's on their plate. We just give them stuff. And it's like, no, get out of the habit of that. Like tell them a kid might not want to eat carrots at first. But if you tell them, you know, carrots give you really good eyes, you know, carrots make you stronger. Then they might say, well, I don't like it that much, but I'm going to eat it because I want to get stronger. So, so really giving them that knowledge along with the good food. 
Well, look, it's hard to compete with food that is packed with sugar, salt, and starch. Three ingredients, three elements of food that we are biologically pre-programmed to crave to get us through times of famine. And we know that fast food is super packed with salt, sugar, and fat. That's the three. And um, that's why so often if you eat fast food, about an hour later, you crave it again. It is, in my opinion, addictive. How do we deal with addiction, food addiction? And tell us about your new documentary that you're in the process of producing about food disorders. So, oh, how do we deal with food addiction? That's a tough one because so many people are addicted to food for different reasons. So now I'm, I'm working on a documentary called The Invisible Shame because I, you know, did a documentary, The Invisible Vegan, advocating for a certain diet. I think it's also important to understand why the reasons behind why a lot of people eat what they eat. And a lot of times people who do eat a lot of, you know, fast food, junk food, comfort food, sometimes it's economic reasons, but then other times it's also, they have a lot of stress or anxiety going on in their own lives. And they're using this food in order to cope with their existence. And even the parents of these children who are giving them fast food, they're, they're trying to make it through the day. They're like, I'm just trying to make it through the day. I'm just trying to make it through the week because they are not in a place where they can go, let me make it through the century with my kid. Like, let me make sure I can keep them alive for a hundred years. They don't even have the bandwidth to, to even consider that because of uh, a lot of the life stressors. So my new documentary, The Invisible Shame, it came from when I was going through a really stressful time in college. I was binge eating and I was taking laxatives because it would get so painful that I would take laxatives to get the food out. And I didn't register it as an eating disorder because it wasn't something that I was doing to be skinny. It was just like my, my appetite just picked up, but I didn't understand there's a, a psychological relationship between like our eating habits and um, our emotions. So I think a lot of people also don't know about that relationship. So when you know better, you do better. And I think the first uh, part of solving a problem is to show people like, look, this is a problem. Like you might be sitting at home eating all your McDonald's and your Popeye's, but if you really dissect, wait, what's going on with me? Why am I eating this food? Like, why does this food make me feel good? Aside from the fact that it's addictive stuff in it, you know, what's the deeper reason to why I'm not clinging to my own health? Because if your self-esteem is at a certain place and you really love yourself and care about yourself, you're not going to eat food that kills you inside. Like you're just not. So really looking at those, the reasons behind what we eat. I think therapist is another title we're going to have to give you because <laughs> you are doing great psychological analysis. Again, we're talking to Jasmine Leva, who's just come out with these two incredible children's books to encourage boys and girls to eat healthier. And as part of a national movement to get kids who are suffering from obesity, type two diabetes, um, it's 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 a tragedy, really. And um, the solution is fruits, vegetables, nuts and grains. Um, yeah. 
And so now you're doing it. We've got Mayor Eric Adams in New York City who is talking about this and actively pushing it. Uh, Where do you see us in terms of, there's a lot of talk about a tipping point. And what somebody said to me is, look, there's a lot of tipping points. It's not one tipping point. So get that out of your head. And I said, you're right. I stand corrected. Like, for example, when Beyond Meat and Oatly went public, those were tipping points. Uh, When Tabitha Brown became a huge star, that's a tipping point. Um, There's various moments where you see when the Met Gala decided to go 100% vegan, it was a tipping point. When Joaquin Phoenix talked about Mother Cows achieving a huge award, global award, it was a tipping point. But when do all those tipping points add up to, okay, we've made a shift, a global shift, because as we talk about in our documentary, Countdown to Year Zero, which is also available on Unchained TV, um, the clock's ticking. We have, from an environmental perspective, only about a decade or less to switch to a more sustainable diet uh, for climate. Honestly, I think the real tipping point is going to happen when a lot of these government officials step up and become more concerned with making sure their people live than getting money. Because you look at things like a lot of the major positive movements that have happened, like um, segregation, like how did that end? It didn't end because a lot of people didn't want it anymore. It ended because the government had to step in and go, nope, not doing this anymore. Where are we desegregating schools? Same thing with veganism. Like it, they, they sign these little like environmental bill here, like animal rights bill there, when they really just need to say, hey, this is killing our environment, it's killing our population, it's killing off all of these animals. And guess what? We're gonna stop and everyone is going to have to fall in line. Like when they first desegregated schools, everyone didn't want it. Like a lot of people, People didn't, but the government just said, we're just not doing that anymore. And people had to change. So I think this this is a situation too, where it's becoming the government just needs to step the hell up. Well, um, I love to have a healthy debate because (laughs) um, what I see is that the government has been co-opted by industry. When you have the United States Department of Agriculture run by a dairy industry trade group leader, yeah, that's, that's uh, I don't like to use species as phrases, but that's the fox guarding the hen house. And, you know, we had the current administration just give a billion dollars to create new slaughterhouses, saying that was going to give dignity to farmers, which is a tragic irony. Killing doesn't mass killing of animals is not going to give anybody dignity. So, you know, we have a, a, a subsidy by the U.S. government of something like uh, $30, $38 billion a year into animal agriculture with a tiny, tiny percentage to uh, fruits, vegetables, nuts, and grains. So there's a good argument to be made that actually the U.S. government is perpetuating this problem because if we were not forced, us taxpayers, to subsidize the meat and dairy industry, the average fast food hamburger would cost $10, $12, $15, Twenty dollars. Who knows? But a lot more than it costs today. And then people would look at it and say, I don't really want this because, gosh, it's cheaper to have an apple or have um, some vegetables or have a salad or have uh, grains or something else that actually inherently is cheaper because it takes eight to twenty five pounds of grains to make a pound of steak. Well, obviously, if you just ate the grains, it would be cheaper. I mean, we could solve world hunger. There are children right now dying of starvation in Somalia 
and and yet we our government is subsidizing um, the very thing that is creating the inefficient food source by creating scarcity. Scarcity allows for profit. So as Dr. Silas Rao says, our entire economy is based on on this false scarcity. And so while I wish the government would wake up, I mean, you see leaders like Cory Booker and um, Jamie Raskin is vegan and uh, Adam Schiff apparently is vegan. There are a lot of vegans rising up um, uh, in in Congress uh, that who are vegan, a number of them. It's still like the government perpetuating this old system. So I recently attended the Vegan Women's Summit, which I hope you can come next year in Brooklyn, it was unbelievable. And one of the things they said was that women make 82% of the uh, shopping decisions in the household. So what they're saying is it was packed with 800 women entrepreneurs and credible people like um, this woman who runs Atlas Monroe. I don't know if you know of her. She uh, was on Shark Tank. Uh, she went on a uh, fried chicken contest show. Hers was the only vegan fried chicken, and she won out of mm-hmm. all the chickens. Unbelievable. Uh, th- I was very inspired, and I started looking at it from a different perspective of, wow, high tech. Um, and I do believe cell-based meat is going to be necessary, and um, yeah. I think that's part of the equation, and also just innovation. I mean, that's it really left me with a profound new outlook on how this is going to change and women entrepreneurs, which is you. So I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. I wish you were right. I have my doubts that that's going to happen. I'm thinking maybe more from the standpoint of business. We're going to see some major breakthroughs on things like cell based meat on more meat alternatives and that that's going to create the shift. But I want to get your thoughts on that. No, I totally. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, we're on the same page as far as like, this is what I think the government should do. Now, will they do it anytime soon? Because I mean, the government, the same the same way, you know, they perpetuated racism, like racism was it was written down like black people will not. You're not even a whole human but they did make the shift, not necessarily because they wanted to, but because there were like economic reasons that, and the people started to, you know, the people started to um, rise up. So they, I guess, to avoid revolution, they finally did have to change. But I agree. Well, consciousness think, changed, perhaps. Yeah, the consciousness you know, changed. Um, and I think with um, high tech, the thing too about that, which I, I agree, I hope they find a way to start making it just as affordable or if not cheaper than the regular product. Because I, I that's one thing that I'm just like, oh, like whenever I go somewhere and in order to, they'll have regular burgers, but if you want the vegan burger, it's like an extra $4. And I'm just like, little things like this will be the difference between someone going, oh, I'm going to get the veggie burger and I'll get the reg- regular burger. So like- Economic. Oh, yeah. Look at Starbucks. Uh, James Cromwell, the famous actor from Succession and Babe, just glued his hand to a Starbucks counter. Um, it's also on Unshade TV if you want to watch it. Uh, it got global headlines, and it was because Starbucks charges extra for plant milks when 
It claims to want sustainability, and it has publicly acknowledged that dairy is its biggest carbon footprint. It's the biggest source of their carbon footprint is dairy, and yet they charge extra for the plant-based milks. And, uh, you know, that seems to me like an obvious contradiction. So it's not necessarily that these things cost more. It's that People are charging more and they're not as subsidized by the U.S. government and other governments around the world. And unfortunately, when people rate the value of food, they don't look at nutritional value. They look at price because they'll say like, oh, it's cheaper to get something off the dollar menu at McDonald's. But then if you look at that, it's just like, but what what nutrients are you getting from that? There's like no vitamins in it. So, I mean, yeah, you get, you're kind of getting what you pay for. You're paying a dollar for pretty much putting junk in your body. And, and people don't look at that um, when they're purchasing food. So all they see is this costs more, I'm not doing it. So. But not to be negative, to end on a uh, positive note, we've got a few minutes here. Um, people are, are people starting to connect the dots. In other words, let's take a look at something that is a fact. Uh, Processed meat, according to the World Health Organization, is cancer-causing. That is just, look it up online. Processed meat, that means deli slices, hot dogs, uh, bacon, all of that. It's officially, according to the World Health Organization, cancer-causing. Now, If you gave a kid a cigarette, they'd call child services, but you give kids this food and nobody says anything. In fact, there was a uh, congresswoman just yesterday bemoaning the fact that uh, the price of bacon had gone gone so high uh, because of inflation without making the connection that bacon is cancer causing. Um, do, Do we see change amongst the progressives, Uh, environmentalists, feminists, um, I mean, there's so much intersectionality potential here, but there seems to be some blocks. Well, I'm seeing, I know as far as intersectionality goes, I'm seeing a major difference. Like it's, you know, I, a lot of people complain about, you know, the, the political incorrectness of everything, but they also don't acknowledge like how far we've come. And like even me coming into veganism, um, maybe what, 17 years ago and just seeing how that movement looked then and then looking at it now and then seeing all the people, like new types of faces, all different shapes, sizes, colors, cultures in the forefront. Like it's really going in a progressive, beautiful direction that I, that I hope we keep building on because the more different types of people we have, like spreading the message, the more different types of people you have being willing to, you know, entertain what we're talking about. Cause they go, Oh, I can actually relate to this person or I want to be like this girl. So I'm going to listen to her. So I'm just really happy to see, you know, just so much more um, diversity and not only in the way people look, but the diversity in ideas too. like different, different vegans actually have like different it's almost like a philosophy or like Christianity and it's like different strands. And sometimes, you know, there'll be a little bickering amongst the group, but at the end of the day, like it's all rooted in some type of compassion, whether you do it because you want better health and longevity for your family, whether you want to do it for the animals, the environment, your spirit, or all of the above. So I'm just, I'm just glad we have it from all angles. Now let's talk about you personally, because you just came out with two children's books 
You are working on a documentary. You are a producer at America's Got Talent. You have a documentary that you've already done and the list goes on and on. You're an actress. You've been in many, many projects. I was looking at your IMDb. I was like, wow, how do you do it? And you're an activist, if I may say so. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you're promoting a cause that is a planet-saving, life-saving cause. How do you do it? And what happens when you feel overwhelmed? Mm. So I think a sense of purpose is very important. And for me, my one of my grand purpose, uh, my grand purpose on this planet is whether it's on a big level or even just a micro level, I want to feel like I am positively adding something to whoever I meet or groups of people. So if people can watch my film and go, let me eat a little bit healthier, like I might've just added years to someone's life. So when I do get overwhelmed, I think about that purpose. Like you're here to spread light, you're here to spread life. And I think that keeps me going. But if I didn't have that grand purpose, yeah, I would probably just be in bed somewhere like, ah, to hell with it. But, um, but yeah. yeah. But, but when you get stressed out and when you're juggling a lot of things, how do you handle it? Like, what are your coping mechanisms? Oh, so, you know, someone asked me the question, um, how do you keep it all together? And my answer was, I let myself fall apart. Um, every now and then the world does throw a lot on you and I have to give myself grace. Like I'll give myself like Jasmine, you got an extra, you know, two days, you're going to sit in bed. You're going to cry. You're going to whine. You're going to have your own pity party. But at the end of this two days, you got to get up and get back on this horse and, and, and keep, keep doing what you're doing. So I give myself grace when I'm getting overwhelmed and I don't feel the need like, oh, I have to be perfect all the time. No, sometimes I just have to be a mess, but I don't let myself reside there. And I also um, respect the power of having a healthy routine because with, you know, with veganism, all of that stuff, like, like um, meditating in the morning, taking a walk so that, you know, the sun can just hit you, taking a break from the phones, drinking a lot of water, making sure you're eating healthy foods that give you enough energy. All of these things also help me deal with, you know, stressors that happen in the world. So I look at it like if I'm not fortified with my health, then I'm not going to be, I'm already setting myself up to fail. So I, I make sure that with my lifestyle, I fortify myself for all of the world's stresses. Have you thought about going and talking to kids in person because you're a perfect example of what kids would want to become when they grow up and uh, so many of those talks have had huge impacts on kids. I mean, have you thought of maybe taking on the road with the children's books and talking to school kids in giant uh, forums, like uh, an entire assembly of students? Oh, most definitely. Like I would, you know, I, even when I had my film, one of the unexpected things that came out of it was I started doing a lot of speaking engagements about, you know, plant-based eating and the power of plant-based eating. So with this, yeah, I would, I would love to, like, I would love to talk to the kids, like read them the book in person and then, you know, just show them how it looks. Cause even me, like, you know, I'm going on 40. And I remember when I was younger, like I, it, it was a certain way that like, you know, people aging looked and it's like, this wasn't, you know, almost 40, like almost 40. 
So, yeah. Just, yeah, showing them something different. Like, look, this is what health looks like. Like, it keeps you vibrant, you know? So sharing that knowledge, I would love to. Wow. Uh, it's been such an honor to have you, uh, Jasmine Leva of The Invisible Vegan, visible to us here at Unchained TV. Uh, I really, really thank you. We have a couple more minutes, and I, I want to ask you about activism because here we are sort of in this new time we've come out hopefully of a pandemic although who knows right um it's still <laughs> a challenge and uh, a lot of things that we used to take for granted um veg fests uh, vegan restaurants um all sorts of things vigils They've changed. Now, people are coming out and saying, how am I going to be effective? How am I going to be uh, an effective activist? Uh, what do you see as the landscape now in activism? I just went to a veg fest yesterday at a sanctuary. It was one of the first veg fests I've been to in two years. Uh, it was great. Uh, but primarily, I'm still sticking to outdoor events. Uh, what what do you see as the new landscape in this new era that we're sort of crawling out to to this new vista? Oh, so one of the most beautiful things I think about when I think of activism now is you you don't you can you can cater your activism to whoever you are because I think some people like say back in the day activism was you have to take to the streets, you have to risk dogs, hoses. And there might've been people who, you know, they just weren't built with the bravery to want to withstand that. So they would just sit at home, not do anything. But now it's a situation where say you're not that person that can hold a live audience by giving some great speech on a podium, or you're not that person who, you know, you don't feel comfortable taking to the streets. It's like now it's like, okay, what do you feel comfortable doing? You like art, you can draw some beautiful photos that might touch someone's heart. And like some people call stuff like that. Like even me, I love TV and film. So it's like, I can use my voice, use my spirit to create, you know, pieces that resonate with large groups of people. So I think that's the beauty of activism now. Like you, there's, there's really no excuse and you can put yourself in whatever you do. Uh, I absolutely agree. If you're an accountant, you can do pro bono work for a, a nonprofit. Uh, give me a call. <laughs> right, right. We have a great one. But um, if you're a violinist, you can perform. Uh, we just did a fundraiser for Unshade TV. We had Amy Berkman, who is an amazing artist, who did one of her famous speed paintings. It was incredible. Jasmine, I want to thank you. I know you're a very busy person. Thank you for taking the time to bring us up to date get these books for our last 20 seconds show us the books once again we need everybody to to get these books for kids uh literally they could be life-saving and they are available uh wherever you get books amazon. On amazon. Yes. On amazon oh yeah all right thank you so much and uh thank you and congratulations on all your amazing work and thank you for being amazing too like you need a praise session yourself jane thank you so much for everything you do so sweet you're so sweet thank you and we'll talk soon thank you for tuning in to jane unchained 
We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week. Thank you.